Hi, Craig. Hello. Welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Tracy. And I'm your host, Corwin Hiller. And happy Thanksgiving. I can't imagine anybody is actually listening to this on Thanksgiving because in theory, there are people you're spending your day with or you're enjoying your holiday and not spending it with us. Both are viable options. Um, But if you're listening to this the day it drops, it is Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving. Corwin chooses. Were you waiting for me to like say something or like I was. I was waiting for you to be like, yeah, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Um, Fuck, I'm gonna give a shit. But anyway, since we we anticipate you not listening to this podcast on Thanksgiving, because again, why would you? Um, we're talking about we're gonna talk a little bit about Black Friday stats this this year. So last year on the Thanksgiving themed episode of the show we talked about thanksgiving stats turkeys and travel and yada 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 today we'll be talking about uh, a couple pieces of sports news uh coupled with some black friday stats instead so corwin are you ready to get started yeah i'm ready oh he's ready oh, uh, he's ready so charlie martin um the pitcher who has most recently been with the um, Tampa Bay Rays for the last two seasons, has signed a brand-new contract. He has signed a, uh, a, a one-year $15 million contract with the Hotlanta Braves. Um, so I guess, yeah, so next year he'll be in Atlanta. Um, he's about to be heading into his age 37 season, and he's Damn, still doing really? it. Yeah. Holy shit, Charlie Morton! Young. And I think this would be a this would be a very fitting season for him to go out on, no matter what, because his first season in the majors in two thousand eight um, was with Atlanta. His first season, two thousand eight, age twenty four, in Atlanta, he went four and eight with an ERA of six fifteen. He pitched seventy four point two innings, let up eighty hits. 56 runs, 51 of them earned, 9 home runs, 41 walks, 2 intentional, 40, 48 strikeouts, yeesh. Um, 2 hit by pitches, a FIP of 5.1, a WHIP of 1621. Those stats are not good. Uh, but 2019, he finished 3rd in Cy Young voting, 21st in MVP voting, which I only bring up because that's hilarious. Um, he had a 3.05 ERA. In 194 innings pitch, which was by far his most um, ERA of, sorry, FIP of 2.81 and a WHIP of 10.84. This past season, he got roughed up a little bit with an ERA of 4.74. But this is the COVID season. I think there is massive um, leniency that we are giving all players in baseball in terms of judging them by their stats. Um, this based on the the, the COVID shortened season, most especially pitchers. But uh, on its surface, what make you of a a one year fifteen million dollar contract for um for Charlie Morton for both him on both his end and the Braves end? Um, I like it on both sides. On one hand, you know, fifteen million for a thirty seven year old pitcher sounds like a lot. Um, but he still slings it. And, you know, he still has some really great movement. He still has some really good stuff. 
and with how young the Braves, I think it makes a lot of sense bringing in a veteran guy who has a ton of postseason experience, World Series experience, and you know can kind of be that. You know that that role model that you know whatever you want to call it whatever the correct phrase is that I'm clearly forgetting, um, just uh, that veteran leader for that rotation and and for those pitchers. So I like it. And on Charlie Morton's side, like you're not getting a long term contract at 37 years old. You know that. Um, and 15 million dollars at 37 years old after a significant career, yeah, fantastic. How do you turn that down? Yeah, I mean, he he's made so I think his his contract, I could just look it up. I think I have it in front of me. Um his contract in Tampa was 2 years 30 million. So am I right about that? Yeah. 2 years 20 million. Um so in the last year he'll have made 35. Yeah, right? Um so in the last 3 years he'll have made 45 million dollars. Um sorry, th- sorry, 35 million dollars. In every in the previous twelve seasons combined, uh, he'll have made forty five million dollars. It's a that's a veteran contract right there. That's hilarious. Yeah. So he is he's as after next season, after next season, he'll have a lifetime earning of eighty million dollars. And in the last three seasons, he had thirty five million dollars worth of contracts. Man, man, that's nuts. Um, right. Yeah, so the Braves are going to have uh, Max Freed going into next season. Is Kyle Wright still a guy? Is he still on the team? Yeah, Kyle Kyle Wright, who didn't have a great season, uh, 5.21 ERA is kind of ugly. They'll have Ian Anderson still, so that's a guy, right? Or Ian Anderson, yeah. Is he, why is he not on their 2021 payroll list? Is he? Li- uh, is it brought back to his the forty man roster, not the twenty five? I believe so. Yeah. Why isn't Ian Anderson here? Probably because of the forty man roster. Oh wait, nope. I found it. He's here. I was wrong. So I had it sorted by position, and he wasn't with the starting pitchers, and he wasn't with the relief pitchers. So I assumed he did not exist, but he is with a group of. Four pitchers labeled just simply as pitchers, and that's very annoying. That is. Um, Tuki Toussaint, I don't think, is with the Braves anymore. Am I right about that? Who? Tuki Toussaint. Didn't they trade him? No. Yes. No, they didn't. Nope. I'll try to save you. Did they trade uh, the other guy, uh, the older veteran guy? I always forget his name. Uh, yeah. Uh, fucking. Fuck. This is going to hurt when you get it, when you tell me. Oh my God! What's his fucking name? Julio Tehran. Yes, yes, Julio Tehran. That's right. He went to the Angels, I think, and then didn't do anything. Um, they also have Robbie Erlin. He's only twenty nine. Yeah, he's way younger than you think he is. What? It's crazy. I I know. I know. Holy shit! Um, I could have yeah. sworn he was like 34, 35. I, that's because that's how he feels. Right. Like it, it feels like he is near the end of his career instead of supposedly in his prime. All right. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to go ERA by year? How many years? 
Um, we'll cut out the first two. He only had seven games combined. So one, two, three, eight years. Eight? Jesus, really? Eight years? All right. Um, eight full seasons, yeah. All right, yeah, lay, lay it on me. 3.2. Nice. 2.89. Beautiful. This is as a 22 and 23-year-old. 23-year-old mm-hmm. all-star. You got the next Jacob DeGrom right here. Right. 4.04. Uh, Gresham. Still went 11 and 8. That's okay. Yeah. 3.21. Nice. Maybe back, all-star back. game. 4.9. Yeah. 3.94. Okay. 3.81. Okay. 10.05. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, no. Julio. Julio, no. You want to hear, because just as I'm looking at it and it's it's wild, you want to hear the um, six starting pitchers or the, those six who are listed as starting pitchers in baseball reference um, and their ERAs for the Atlanta Braves last season? Sure. Max Freed. Number, mm-hmm. you know, ace, 2.25. Kyle Wright, okay. 5.21. It's not what you want your second guy. No. Ian Anderson, 1.95. Beautiful. Tuki Toussaint, 8.88. Cool, 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 cool. Yep. yep, yep, yep. Robbie Erlin, 8.49. <laughs> and then number I forgot six. he was on the Braves. I know. And then number four, number six is uh, Oscar Anoa, 5.82. I want to be honest. I don't know who that is. I, I, I don't. He's 22. I have to assume this is his rookie season. Okay. I'll take your word for it. I'm looking at his stats. He did play in 2019, but he played in two games and pitched a total of three innings. So, yeah. Nice. So if you, if you just throw on. Actually, hold on. Do I have team value pitching? Is that an option? Show it to me, baby. Give it to player value. Show me player what pitchers. you got. All right. All right. So let's sort this by innings pitch so I can see it the way I just saw it. So Max Freed provided 2.9 wins last season. Josh Tomlin, uh, 0.5. Kyle Wright, 0.3. Ian Anderson, 1.3. And then there's some relievers. And then Tuki Toussaint at negative 0.8. Robbie Erlin at zero point, negative 0.5. Um, and Uoscar Inoa at 0.1. So there's not a lot of, there's not a whole lot of fun stuff happening there. So if you throw Charlie Morton, who did not have a great season this past season, as we just said, with his 4.74 ERA, um, his peripherals are still relatively good. Um, he, he underperformed his FIP, his FIP sitting at 3.45, which isn't bad. His whip was pretty high at 1395, um, which obviously that is relatively concerning. He, he let up the long ball at a pretty high rate last year, too. Um, sorry, he let up his, his average hit total and his average home run total. Both were pretty high last season, but still the strikeouts were there. So you, you would assume he just got, you know, tatted up a little bit because of the shortened uh, spring training and how awkward that was for a lot of pitchers. Anyway, all that to say, he still put up 0.2 war last season, which means he put up 0.7 more war than Robbie Erlon and one, uh, sorry, zero, 
yeah, one entire additional war over Tuki Toussaint. Like, yeah. yeah, that's how bad it is. So, a one year end, but by the same token, by the same token, the Braves still finished in first place in the NL East, going 35 and 25, which is hilarious to look at. Um, but, you know, you just say 10 games over 500, and that's not bad. So if nope. you can if you can squeeze an extra handful of wins out of out of a, a Charlie Morton where he doesn't have to be your number one guy because he got Max Freed, and he doesn't even have to be your number two guy if Ian Anderson could be anything near where he was last season. So you really by all means he looks like it. Yeah, and even if he doesn't hit the one point nine five ERA again, because why would he? That's still good. You know, like he, he even if that regresses all the way to three, that's still good. So. <laughs> This yeah, it's such a great value signing. Fifteen million dollars on one year just to try to make the playoffs again while you figure out your pitching situation and you know, let the market do what it does and wait till you can either acquire some more dudes or bring some more dudes up and shore up the rotation a little bit heading into next season when you're still a bat first team. It's not bad at all. Um, you know, picking up bats. Sorry, I didn't re- didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh no, say it again. I didn't hear you. Uh I said and it's not like they need to focus on picking up bats this offseason. Yeah, exactly. I mean, where else are they going to spend the money? You know, they you're like mm-hmm. you're you're right. They do if they need anything, it is it is not hitting. No. Oh man, Braves. Hopefully they're good because um, I feel like uh, there's a lot of players on that team that really deserve it, and uh, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah. The only sorry, just because I'm looking, the only place they might need to go is center field. Oh, only because Acuna was hurt, he's not listed in the main part of this thing because hmm. I was going to say uh, Ender and Ciarte played a meaningful amount of um, innings for them last season. And his OPS plus was 36. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. But Ronald Acuna juniors was 155. Um, and based on the plate appearance totals, actually, no, that doesn't even make sense because Ronald Acuna jr. Had 202 plate appearances to Ender and Ciarte's, 131. So I guess, and they really are playing Ender and Ciarte that often in center field, and everyone else is just rotating the corners. They should stop playing Ender and Ciarte at all, ever again. So you're telling me they should bench a bad player, a bad old player, in exchange for a very good young player? Yes. Yeah. I, I, dude, I don't get this. So, you know what Ender and Ciarte's D-War was last season? Uh, no. You'd assume it'd be good, right? Because they kept playing him when his bat was trash. So he's got it's got to be good, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's zero. Oh, good. good. You know, but, all right, you know, it's a shortened season. You know what his um, 2019 D-War was? No. It was also zero. Oh, good, 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 good. Yeah, it was it, 65 games. It was zero. Now, in, 2018, in 2018, it was 2.1. That's that's cool. Uh, 2018 2.1 was three D-war? years ago. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty spectacular. Yeah. Yeah, Gold Glover. Yeah, but, I get why I, he still holds the reputation for being a, you know, very good defensive baseball center fielder. Need to drop. Turn fucking sixty and just can't get anywhere. Time is undefeated. 
Yeah, and and as we have opined on the show before, um, there is one one war, one O war, and one D war. Do not cancel each other out. Like no. one O war is so much more meaningful than one D war. Right, even though it seems like the opposite because of how much rare D war is to accumulate. Go listen to that episode. That's all you need. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, it was discussed. And and ju- just to put a, qu- a a point in case on it, Derek Jeter played a very very long time at shortstop. He was not a good defensive shortstop. Mm-hmm. He played a long time at shortstop because defense matters when it matters, but batting matters all the time, every time. Anyway, every time. So yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of this signing. I think this is a this is really, um, this is a good entryway too into what the rest of the offseason might look like because we've got a couple of the pitchers moving. the The big question eventually is going to become, uh, where does Trevor Bauer go, and what does that contract look like? Because uh, if you got a thirty, what I just say, thirty seven year old starting pitcher going for fifteen mil, um, it might be a lot. Might be a whole lot. Um, is there? Hmm, how do I want to phrase this while we're still talking about the Braves? Um, are there any free agents you would like to see go to the Braves? Who are, or you know, at least any free agents you want to end up seeing in certain locations? That's that's a very interesting question. Um, hmm. As we both me, scramble to pull up free agent lists. Yeah, you know, I, I had spot track up already, so I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna pop over. Uh who's interesting? Someone someone be interesting. Uh, I, I mean personally I, I want to see Bauer, Bauer end up with the Padres. Just for special because Mike Clevenger and Trevor Bauer need to be reunited and I think that bromance is just good for the sport of baseball. Sure. I I don't want. Uh, there's a lot of Yankees fans that want Trevor Bauer. I do not want Trevor Bauer. Mm-hmm. I find him to be a very annoying person and don't want him near my team. Mm-hmm. Um, you want a Cespedes? Jesus Christ! I forgot he was a free agent. Yeah, so he's oh, not sure. going anywhere. Oh, Jake Arrieta is a free agent. That's interesting. Yeah. JT Realmuto, Trevor Bauer, George Springer. Well, hold on. I I want to wonder about Jake Arrieta for a second because he's getting um I think under maybe a little bit under discussed because of, of Trevor Bauer um because he he's in a really interesting spot just finished up his contract in Philly um where he posted uh some mixed results <laughs> uh, I just I just saw his past couple of years. No thanks. ERA of four point three six over the duration of his Philadelphia seasons. Uh, yeah, with uh, a three nine six, a four six four, and a five oh eight the past three years. No fucking thank you. Again, that five oh eight, I'm willing to be leaning on, but the fact that it was also, you know, he's heading into five six straight seasons of increasing ERAs is not a good yeah. sign. Yeesh. Um, that 2015 year, wow. 
Oh, it was so good, man. It was a magical season. Um, Here's another one. I, I want to see. Uh, I want to see Marcus Stroman end up on the White Sox. He already resigned with the uh, with the Mets. Oh yeah, he signed his qualifying offer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Damn. I'm just scrolling through uh, this uh, MLB.com piece. Yeah, he uh... and uh, DJ LeMahieu are up. Which one are uh, the Yankees going to grab? Wait, DJ, between DJ and who? DJ LeMahieu. Yeah, I, I, I think I don't know what the Yankees are waiting for because, in theory, I think they they should have their minds pretty well made up. Um, so here here is the the Yankees dilemma the way I see it. Their infield is currently Luke Voigt at first, DJ at second, Glaber Torres at short, and I guess still Gio Urshela at third. The problem with that is that Glaber Torres is a very bad shortstop. Um, he's so not good at, at being a shortstop. It's really hard to watch him be a shortstop. Um, hmm. I don't want to keep watching him be a shortstop. And I don't think the Yankees want him to be a shortstop either. Because defense is, is a lot harder to improve in the majors than offense is. And I know that sounds dumb because it usually isn't that way. But, or at least you wouldn't intuitively think of it that way. But it most of the time is that way. Usually whoever you are on defense when you pull up into the majors is kind of who you're going to be at defense. Um. And so I'm wondering if the the way I see it, the Yankees have two main flashy possibilities they have. It's either you re-sign DJ to whatever he's asking for, four years, five years contract, put him at second, and just deal with Glaber at short and hope that he does improve, which doesn't not happen. Um, so there's a chance. Or they let DJ LeMahieu walk and they trade to get Francisco Lindor put him at short and move Glaber to second so they have better defense at both positions uh, with a comparable defensive player as DJ. Maybe, ah, that's not, that's unfair. A slightly worse player at second base uh, in, in Glaber Torres, defensively speaking. He's a step down from DJ, but it's not huge. But a massive improvement in defense at short, which is a significantly more important position. And you get a switch hitting bat in there which will help balance out the Yankees lineup, which is what I would prefer happen. You could, in theory, still maintain DJ LeMahieu and put him at third base, um, but it just depends on how you value the defense of Geo versus the defense of, Gla of um, DJ, and then um, weighing that comparatively or uh, balancing DJ's very, very good offense over Geo. So it, I would imagine that's a lot of the decision-making there. Because I don't know where else it could be. Fair enough. That was a very well thought out response, Josh, and I appreciate your effort. Well, thanks, buddy. I appreciate you appreciating it. Um, well, I appreciate. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not so doing it. So here's here's a here's an interesting tidbit. Because I was curious, so I pulled up. Um, what's his fucking name? Jake Arrieta's. Uh, baseball savant page to look at some other stats. Here's his, the spin rate on his fastball, his four seam fastball from 2015 on, which is very convenient because those are the only years we care about. 
and those are the only years those sad information is in StatCast. Um, Four-seam fastball in 2015, 2,292 RPMs. It's pretty good. 2016, 2,316. So it's pretty close, but that is better. That is definitely better. Uh, in 2017, 2,312, so about the same. 20, 2018, 2,310, about the same. 2019, 2,275. Now we're, we're jumping down a little bit. And in 2020, 2,249. That's down even farther. That's not good. I get why Trevor Bauer is so obsessed with spin rate. It matters. Yeah, it I mean, we really all knew does. it matters, but you know, it's nice seeing these correlated numbers matching up. Yeah, and you see it in in the uh, the miles per hour, the speed as well. Twenty fifteen, he was throwing it. He's throwing his four seamer, ninety five miles an hour on average. It's very hard. In twenty sixteen, it was ninety four point two. So that's down, but ninety four point two is also still very high. Mm-hmm. Uh, in twenty seventeen, he was throwing it ninety two point two. That's again lower. 2018, 92.4, so consistent. And then 2019 and 2020, he threw at 91.9. So it's also trending down. So it seems like, but that's what make, I think is going to make Jake Arietta an interesting get because I think someone is going to sign him. Is that I don't think he's going to be, you're probably going to get something more like the 2019 version of Jake Arietta than the 2020 version only because a veteran pitcher is better than a 5.08 season in in, in a given year, I I think, going based on my gut, which isn't how baseball stats work, but that's how it's working for this discussion. Um, but at the same time, like you're getting you're getting a back-end starter. You're getting a three or four guy at best. So I think his contract is going to be a very interesting contract too because he might get a three-year deal or like a two-year deal with a club option. Um, because he's younger than Morton, he's 34. Or he's, you know, he's going to be 35 in, in the next season. But um, this is, you know, this isn't the guy you're giving a five-year deal, five-year deal to. Mm-hmm. Oh, it'll be interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I genuinely don't have high hopes for our boy Jake Arietta. Arietta. Um, but uh, I do got to say. Man, there's this is just such a loaded free agent class. I don't know if it usually is. I don't know if it's just because a bunch of these guys are restricted free agents, but there's just the list just keeps going on and on of stars that are just waiting to get signed. Yeah, Justin Turner. Um who else do I'm looking at here? Um Jay Hap. Ooh, wow. Who's getting that deal? Oh, uh, all, every Yankees pitcher essentially is a free agent. Uh, Jake Odorizzi, also up for grabs. That's not a bad snag. Um, 40-year-old Nelson Cruz is still hitting dingers. Uh, Didi Gregorius. Tyler Chatwood. James Paxton. Brett Gardner. Everyone on the Yankees ever. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be weird. Anyway. You want to talk about the Steelers? Yeah, I don't know how much there is to actually say, uh, but yeah, I'm down. Well, so, all right, well, background first. The Steelers game that was supposed to take place on Thanksgiving today in podcast world, um, 
tomorrow in podcast recording world. Uh, Steelers were supposed to play the primetime game against the Ravens. It was supposed to be the only good game that was going to be on the TV. Uh, and there By is astronomical margins. Oh not my even God. fucking close. <laughs> not even close. Um, and the Ravens locker room is concerned that it ha- might have um, some outbreaks. There's some contact stuff happening. You have to do more testing. So they cancel the game and push it back to Sunday. And Steelers players, as well as fans, are pissed. Yeah. Very upset. Um, for one thing, because they're week seven, eight by week got canceled and got pushed to week or I guess jumped up to week four because mm-hmm. of the Titans game getting postponed, which means that this is going to be their first kind of long stretch of time or at least longer than regular stretch of time between games uh, in order to get a little bit of rest because after Thursday night, they wouldn't play again until the following Sunday. So a few extra days uh and now that's not going to happen in addition to the fact that they lose a primetime game yada 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 um and while again this might not be like the world's biggest deal in terms of i guess the way it's going to work out because as of right now the nfl is planning on just playing the game on sunday it is still annoying the fact that this is a complaint mainly because dealers lost their bye week when in a different world, the NFL would have put a cushion week between the end of the regular season and the beginning of the playoffs so that the Titans game could have been made up then so the Steelers wouldn't have lost a bye week and could have just made up a primetime game by being flexed in elsewhere. But instead, the Steelers are still not getting any real significant amount of rest time while they're having an amazing season and yeah. probably could use it. So it it's not the end of the world again because you know shit's still going to be fine but it's a frustrating reminder of the sheer lack of planning that was put into this season it's just a damn shame that you know it's the Steelers that keep getting the short end of the stick because of other teams having COVID outbreaks and I'm not going to blame the Ravens I'm not going to blame the well I will blame the Titans the Titans absolutely deserve it um, but I won't blame the Ravens, even though I would really love to give them some fucking heat. Um, but it just, it really does suck for the players. You know, it's a primetime Thanksgiving game against their biggest rival in what is far and away the biggest game of the year for them. And now it's just another Sunday game. You know, the atmosphere is definitely not going to be the same. The actual playing of the game is still in doubt because you don't know if these positive tests are going to clear, who else is going to test positive. And it, it's just another cloud of doubt and uncertainty for a historic season by all means. And, you know, it, it's really a shame that we're going to miss out. Um, and we're forced to watch the fucking Texans lions. Or or worse, Dallas Washington. Uh, I don't know which is worse, and that's a problem. It's no, I, be because neither of uh, Washington or Dallas has a quarterback right now. Yep, so that's why that would be the worst game for sure. Yeah, yeah. especially because it, sadly, though, it also probably has the highest stakes because whoever wins the game has like 
a somewhat decent shot of still being in the running for the division because that division is so bad. Oh, actually, uh, I do want to take a brief moment a, to update. Hold on, I, I got a quote for you. Go ahead. Before we move off the Steelers, if if we're gonna come back to it, that's fine. Go right ahead. Uh, we'll come back to it, but give me the, give me the quote anyway. All right. Mike Tomlin had told his players they'd play the Ravens tomorrow and then be off until next Wednesday, making up for the fact that their first bye was only three days. You think the Steelers were annoyed when the Titans outbreak affected things? Just wait. Oh, oh I yeah. love this. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I mean, they, they, they're they on Twitter right now complaining their fucking Twitter, Twitter fingers off, and rightfully so, yeah. because, again, like... It's not just logistics. Again, the fact that this game was supposed to be played on Thursday and is now going to be played on Sunday, logistically speaking, isn't a very big deal. But personnel-wise, it is it is fucking frustrating that the NFL didn't plan at all in the slightest. And the fact that they're still having outbreaks when they are two, three months into their own season and had an entire... NBA, NHL, and MLB season to see what worked and what didn't. And yes, the team sizes are bigger and there's more practices, but the MLB traveled around too. You could have talked to Rob Manfred and seen, you know, seen what that fucking idiot could have imparted on to you. They, they're just letting people get sick. I saw, I saw, I forget what exact the, the phraseology of it was, but that um, Roger Goodell is instituting uh, harsher uh, restrictions on what teams are allowed to and not to do. My first thought was, why wasn't that the standard already? Right. Are you are you afraid right. of the players being mad at you that you're you're restricting them? Guess what, man? The players would probably rather know that everyone's being monitored to a high level so that this shit doesn't happen than worry about how they perceive you. I, I don't get it. Oh, the NFL. Just an endless... Like, anytime we think we don't have anything to talk about, you know, a week, a slow week, an off week, whatever, we could always fill it in with talking shit about how fucking awful the NFL is at running both a business and a league. I, I know. It, it truly is. when Just when you think there's nothing to, to complain about with the NFL, <laughs> Roger Goodell provideth. All right. Um, Eric Ebron actually came out, just had a, another layer to this whole um, players being upset, saying that, you know, long weeks where he has a chance to, to travel and, and isn't rushed, you know, where he only has like a day or a single off day or it's broken up. He said that long weeks are the only time he can go and see his kid, which I 100% understand, you know, with COVID going on and, and, having a quarantine and have multiple negative tests before you can come back to the facilities, this, that it, you know, players are going to miss their families and that's just a damn shame. And it's just another level of why these players are so fucking pissed off. Yeah. I mean, who, who'd have thought that these units of production also had feelings, and families, mm-hmm. um, uh, for, for some levity, uh, let's look at the NFC East standings. The Philadelphia Eagles are three six and one. The rest of the division is three and seven. Wow. 
what the fuck is football nowadays? Dude, I know. Which means, so, the Giants have an off day. They, they're on their bye week this week. So, so the, they, they literally can't. Oh, actually, no, sorry. They just came off their bye week. They're playing the Bengals this week, who just lost Joe Burrow, which means that that's actually a winnable game for them. Um, the Eagles are playing the Seahawks, so that's a loss. <laughs> which means that whichever team, if the Giants win and whichever team of Washington or Dallas win, those two teams would be tied for first in the in the NL NFC East with four wins. That's just fucking the next highest four win four, highest ranked four win team is a couple ties for third place in their division between <laughs> New England, Minnesota, Carolina, Denver, and that's it. Then there's one there's two four win teams in last in their division, Detroit and San Francisco. And then, and there's a three-win team on top of the division right now, and there's going to be a four-win team on top of the division tomorrow, or by the by the end of uh, games on Sunday. That's fucking ridiculous. It's I hate that COVID is really putting a hamper on my ability to go watch the Eagles in Philadelphia be this god-awful and also go to, you know, the MetLife Stadium and see the Giants be this awful. And just being in such close proximity to three of the four teams in the NFC East, I could easily go see all of these teams in person and watch them be a dumpster fire. And I can't anymore. And that is what's making me most upset about COVID. It's not the 270,000 deaths. It's not the quarantine for eight months. It's not the lost wages or, you know, the entire economy collapsing. It's not being able to relish in the failures of the NFC East. They are so bad, man. They're so bad. I... And the worst part is... You can't just let them be bad if you're a fan. Like, right now, the Jets are awful. You know, they're the worst team in, in the NFL. And so it makes it really easy for me to detach a little bit. And, like, when they start losing a game, which usually happens within the first two minutes, <laughs> uh, it's just easy. It's easy for me to be like, yeah, all right, I mean, that was there. Let's just let's just see what happens from here, you know? Just mm-hmm. hope we keep losing and hope that some players have nice games so we can figure some things out for next year. or even less just watch a dumb screen that has people running around on it. But you can't even do that as an NFC East fan because you still have a chance of winning the division. Like, the Dallas Cowboys are seemingly fucked right now. They've got nothing. Quarterback play is terrible because Dak's out. The defense is bad. Zeke's having a shit season. You're 3-7 and seven, 10 weeks into the fucking year. And you're not out of it. So as much as it, you'd probably want to detach because things are so bad, you kind of can't. Because if Dallas gets hot and wins, I don't know, two games back-to-back, they might be on top of the division. What an outrageous statement. If the Cowboys get hot and win two games back-to-back, they'll claim the division. Fucking A, man. I, I I know. It's kind of a disgusting sentence. 
what are the Cowboys' next two games? The Cowboys' next two games are Washington this week and the Ravens the week after. So that, what's the best chance? So the best chance that the Cowboys have is they have a chance at maybe running the table starting week 14 because they have the Bengals, then the Niners, then the Eagles, then the Giants. The Bengals lost Joe Burrow. They're going to be bad. The Niners have just never put it together. Um, that game's probably a loss, but hey, who knows? And then the Eagles suck, and the Giants suck. So maybe the Cowboys take a bunch of games at the end. But by the same token, I could say the same fucking thing about the Giants because because all the teams in the NFC East are bad, and 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 the Giants could conceivably you know win all the games against the division they have left. So who who fucking knows anything? This is a nonsense division. So when are we going to ban them? Basically, uh, relegate them and bring up the SEC East. Um. Would you rather a relegation system based on interchanging teams or a relegation system based on record? Like the divisions mm-hmm. change based on how good or bad you were. So like imagine imagine an NFL where like all the teams that won I don't I don't know 10, ten or more games um, it might have to be more games than that that they won just to make it a smaller pool. I don't know how many teams won 10 games last year. But all those teams all got put in the same division. And then, like, I don't know, of of that 10 teams, um, four of them went to the playoffs. And then of all the the five-win to nine-win teams got put in a division, and of those 10 teams, uh, three of them went to the playoffs. And then all the shit teams, all the zero to four win teams, they all got put in a division and only one team went to the playoffs. Uh, I need to see like a flow chart to really comprehend that. But as of right now, fuck it, why not? Right. I used to be a, a really changing shit up oh it wouldn't work it's too crazy but you know what fuck it man covid's fucked up all the rules who knows anymore let's just get weird with it yeah because it, it'd make it interesting because like if you're if you're if your team is in the good pool you know all the best teams and you're eight and eight or whatever 500 is i don't know fucking six and six because there's still got to be weeks left in the season Typically, you say to yourself, "Well, I'm not going to the playoffs, so I want to lose the rest of these games so that I can I can just get a better draft pick." But if four teams are all going, and you're like the fifth place team, well, you still got a chance. So you might want to win because you also don't want to get relegated down to the worst league, where yeah, you might have a better chance of winning um, or going to the playoffs because you'll be a better team in a worse league or division, but. Fewer teams go to the playoffs there. So it decreases your odds. So who's to say? Uh, who is to say? Who is qualified to say? Uh, oh, I was going to say Roger Goodell is to say, but then you said qualified, and now I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck you. Uh, fucking amen. Uh, all right, I have nothing else to say about football. Do you? Uh, I sent you some links while we were talking. Uh, I don't know if either of those tickle your fancy. 
Let's see. What led to Manish losing his Jets credentials? Oh, yeah. I never did get a, a word on this. Um, Manish decided to harass Jets GM Joe Douglas' child. What? <laughs> At a baseball game? Are you serious? I don't know. It's a, from some fucking dude on Twitter who... Oh, man. This is a very long Twitter thread. Uh, I don't got time to read all this shit. But, yeah, I'll believe it. I mean, that's the thing about Manish Mehta is that he's such a garbage person that, yeah, I don't usually want to go along with crazy stories just for the sake of it. Um, If if someone's reputation is on the line, but Manish Mehta is a terrible reporter. Um, And by all accounts, kind of a bad guy. So, yeah, I would buy this in an instant. Um. Did you see the uh, talk on basically him having other reporters go in, ask his questions, take notes, and just pass it on to him, and he would just write it like he was there? I didn't see that, but at the same time, I kind of assumed something like that was happening because he still tweets out, like, Jets news or whatever, but I know he doesn't have a press pass. So I assumed he was getting the information from somewhere. So that makes sense. And also feels like that should be against the rules. Really? <laughs> a guy banned from the Jets press corps at getting information still and still writing those reports? Yeah, no fucking kidding. That's ridiculous. Yeah, part of the idea here is that you, you, you also cease to receive the benefits of the press pass, not just the press pass. The benefits being answers to questions that you came up with in a press conference. So, Jets, oh, you're a sloppy organization. You have other problems. Um, the other one here about Matt Patricia? Uh, was this the comment? I sent this to you. I know what the comment was. Fucking Christ. Uh, basically, it was like Romeo Crennel coming out and saying, Hey... There's really only, you know, two kinds of coaches, right? There are those that have been fired, and there's those that are going to get fired. Speaking of Matt Patricia, so we both fall into that category, which I love. I love the fact that a guy who has kind of built the reputation of being a really good coach but also has been given the interim coaching position and head coaching position so many times that it's just kind of like second nature. He keeps getting these interim coaching gigs because he's been there, he's done that, he has that experience. He's not spectacular at it, but he can do it and get the job done and things won't collapse around him. I love the idea that a guy like that comes out looking at a first-time head coach and is just going, that guy's fucked uh he's fucked and we all know it oh yeah and even that he is not good at coaching in the nfl and other head coaches are willing to uh come out and say it i mean i mean this this is what we what we want as viewers because it's like we know he's getting fired just say he's getting fired um don't don't be like, oh, well, you know, Matt Patricia's a really good guy. You know, he brings a lot of good things to Detroit. 
you know, they'll make their assessment as time goes on. It's like, no, everyone knows he's getting fired. Everyone knows it. So, yeah, I, I love the fact that we are getting a lot bolder, calling a spade a spade, and, and having the real conversation, which which is Matt Patricia is getting fired at some point. So. Right. And, like, I don't care how good a coach is when it comes to talking about should he stay with the team. That's not a factor that should be involved. Like, Bill O'Brien, fantastic person. I love him. But you're never going to catch me saying, well, they probably should have held on to him a little bit longer. Uh, he just needed a little more time to really, you know, get his feet underneath him. No, like, if it's not working, you need to move on. That's how the NF works. It's too competitive, and there's too many good young guys or guys with experience coming up who haven't had that opportunity to waste away time on guys that have proven themselves to be ineffective at the position. Yeah, it's not I, about how nice of a guy you are. It's how good you are at doing your job. And that's the thing. It's like it, you hire a coach because you bought into that coach's vision of how they are going to run the team in terms of X's and O's. That should be the main reason mm -hmm. why you hire or fire a coach. Obviously, there are secondary reasons that are very important. The culture of that that, that coach is going to bring, right. how well they relate to players, yada, yada, yada. But the main thing Yada, is, yada, yada. I know, it's been so much. It's, 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 it's a phase. Um, the main thing is going to be, do you believe in what they're doing? Because if not, that guy's not going to change. And if he does change, it's going to be changing because you told him to or because he's realizing it needs to, and then it's not the reason you hired him anymore. If you mm -hmm. hired Matt Patricia because he was going to do, I don't know what Matt Patricia's whole deal is, uh, a ground and pound kind of system, but the, the running backs aren't getting the yards. So is Matt Patricia going to pivot to more wide receivers, uh, you know, more more wide out only sets and, and more go routes and slant routes and yada yada oh, there it is again and whatnot <laughs> um yeah you know Matt Patricia might do that but at the same time that's not his wheelhouse that might not be what he's good at that's not why you hired him there's probably a guy out there who schemes around that system better so why don't you go find that guy instead of trying to bend Matt Patricia to be that guy and mm -hmm. it's not just a, solely a Patricia thing it's a thing we see all over the NFL which is yeah, you can keep changing out the personnel to... Look at the guy that uses pens. You know? That, too. I'm over the pencil in the ear. It's, it's, it, I think it's keeping him together. Um, but, like, personnel's going to come and go almost no matter what. You know? Mm. So saying he just needs his guys is, is, is a specious comment in a lot of ways because his guys are always going to be coming and going. You know, that's just how the NF. That's how any league works, but especially the NFL with the large number of players there are. You got to find a guy whose system works. That's what makes Belichick so great. This season, obviously, an exception, but he had a system. His system always worked. Yeah. So. Uh, anyway. I hope the Lions can figure their shit out, man. Oh my god. I think they're heading in the right direction. Once they can get rid of Patricia, they I think I think a lot of teams are waking up to the idea that, hey, not these guys aren't good just because they've been around before. Um, 
Because that's that's not how you should hire somebody. No. But it's the NFL, so that's how they do hire everyone. 35 years of job experience just means that you've been alive and, and, and in the workforce for 35 years. It doesn't mean you've been good. <laughs> Saying someone has like 35 years okay. of job experience, or I don't know, it's the NFL, it's less than that. Someone, saying someone has 15 years of job experience just means that they've been in the same industry for 15 years, and that's not saying a lot. No. I couldn't imagine being in this, in like the... What am I trying to say? The field that I'm in now for the next 15 years. Nothing against the field I'm in, but man, I just, that's a long time. Hey, man, we got 40 more to go. No. Buckle up, buddy. 50 if you're unlucky. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, shall we talk? Speaking of capitalism, shall we talk about Black Friday? Uh, Sure. All right. All right, so let's let's look at some Black Friday statistics. Um, all right, so let's see. So despite Cyber Monday and other major shopping holidays around Thanksgiving weekend, Black Friday is still the most popular day to shop. 61% of Thanksgiving week shoppers said they plan to shop on Black Friday. That's from 2019. That is an alarmingly high number. Uh, I, you said 2019, not, so not this year? Not this year, yeah. Okay, thank God. Cool. 61% of people actually shop on Black Friday? Uh, in 2019, the, the Thanksgiving weekend, so including Cyber Monday, shoppers spent an average of $361 on holiday items. Um, that is up from $313. In 2018, that was a $50 increase last year. I'm so sure that number is going down this year. Um, yeah. But still, that's a lot of money. Corwin, have you bought your Christmas gifts yet? Uh, uh, most, actually. Yeah, right on. Uh, no, I bought some. And the rest are sitting in my shopping cart for Black Friday, likely. There you go. It happens. Um. Oh, here's another one up your alley. In, in 2019, more on, more people shopped online than in stores on Black Friday. 142.2 million people shopped online, while 124 million people went into the stores. Those people are fucking crazy. I literally can't imagine. It's something I do want to do someday, though. You know, like, at well, some point, I don't want to, like shop for the deals i just want to go watch it unfold you know like I, one I, year i'm gonna stay up or wake up early go to fucking walmart or target or whatever one of the places is that people go for black friday shopping and i just want to watch it unfold i just can't get over the fact that 124 million people go out shopping on Black Friday. That is one third of the population of the U.S. Holy shit. Like, I know a couple people that I've talked to, you know, and had regular conversations with on Black Friday, and they're like, oh yeah, like we're planning on going out in like an hour or so, like we'll avoid the rush, like this, that, or like, oh yeah, we're gonna get up early, but like, 
it's definitely not a third of the people I know. I I I know you can't get a third of the nation to agree on anything. Yeah. Fuck. Wow. We couldn't even get a third of uh, the population to vote for the same guy. No, we got half. Yeah. Let's go, Joe. Well, half of however many people actually did vote. A third. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, that's a third of total population, though. I don't know what the electorate size is. Uh, anyway. Touche. Um, the most need to popular. Stop touche instead of touche. Yeah. Because it just makes me sound there. dumb. Um, the most pop, the top selling toys mm-hmm. in 2019 were Frozen Two toys, um, LOL surprise toys. No idea what that is. I am out of touch. And Paw Patrol toys, um, which is not surprising and yet is also surprising because it makes sense that the most purchased toys are all kids items because kids all want the same things. And as we get older. And our tastes get more refined. We like more individual things, you know, like when Corwin and I were both like eight, I bet we watched a lot of the same shows because there's only so many kids shows and you're going to just buy the shit you see on the TV. And now that we're adults, we have more specific interests. Um, What was your favorite show as a kid? That's tough. Uh, Kids Next Door was up there. Yeah, that was great. That was was a great show. Um, I was also a big SpongeBob kid when I was younger. Love SpongeBob. Mm, mm, that's good, uh, yeah. Uh, Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. That was a great show. It's a great show. Sometimes I even catch myself st- still singing some of the songs from it, like "Brains, Brains, It's Okay." <laughs> it doesn't matter if they isn't gray. <laughs> oh, that's a good show. I don't remember that. It's from the zombie episode. Hmm, yeah. Okay. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Ah, uh, 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 real monsters, also a classic. Uh, anyway, ah, yeah. real monsters. Is that a show? Yeah, it was a show. It was on Cartoon Network. Ah, real monsters. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't watch that show because that gave me fucking nightmares just looking at them. Yeah, they were some creepy ass motherfuckers down Best there. Cartoon Network shows. Oh boy, these are not shows. All right, I need to put a year here. Two thousands. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Oh, great show. show. Yeah. Samurai Jack wasn't great my show. deal, but I appreciate it more now. Codename oh, Kids Next Door, all time classic. Yep. I honestly kind of want to go back and just watch that now. I actually bet that's still good. There's a lot of stuff I refuse to rewatch, but I oh, bet that's I'm still sure. good. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, what's new Scooby Doo? Watched the shit out of that. Such a good show. Um, the Clone Wars, obviously, for reasons. Um, what else do we got? Let's see. What's IMDb say? Johnny Bravo, sure. Ben Ten, not my thing. Uh, Ed, Ed and Eddie, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends was pretty all right. I like that show. Um, all right, hold on. Let, let, let's rein it back in real quick. Um, some final, some final stats here. So, the top Black Friday realtors. There are six bullet points here. Only two companies are named. 
what two companies do you think those are? Of realtors? Sorry, sorry, retailers. That's my mistake. Oh. Only two named on Black Friday? Yep. I know one one is Walmart. That's that's there. Yep. I don't think I wanna say Target. I guess I'll say Best Buy. Amazon. Oh, I was thinking actual brick and mortar. mortar. Yeah. Wow, they really do run the whole fucking world, don't they? All right, just to, I got to get one more out there because I'm just scrolling through these shows. Uh, Fairly Odd Parents. Ah, another great show. Unbelievable. So good. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, oh, actually, here's a 2020 stat. So we can, we'll, we'll, we can maybe close on this. 65% of shoppers will choose to buy products online instead of in-store to avoid crowds in 2020, while 64% choose to purchase online for the comfort of shopping from home. So 65% of people are going to buy online because they want to avoid crowds, and 20, sorry, 35% of people want to get sick. Sorry, I'll amend that. 35% of people don't think the virus is real. That's who those are. Let's be honest. And I want to say, like, I want to make a comment here, comment there, this, that. It, yeah, I mean, 70 million people voted for someone who doesn't believe in the virus. So obviously they're not going to believe in the virus. As awful as it is, like, it, it's not crazy to me. Like, it still makes sense. It's awful, but it makes sense. Whatever, yeah. I'm still not. I don't want to talk. I don't want to think about it. Who wants to be sad? <laughs> That's what we're asking. Because someone's gonna. We're all gonna be sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh. Anyway, so that 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 there's some Black Friday stats, um, uh, for the holiday season. Look, uh, Thanksgiving's gonna be weird this year for a lot of us. I know I usually spend it with my family. I'm not seeing them. Um, doing doing a solo thing, me and and the girlfriend, and that that's it. Um, I know some people are probably just doing it by themselves. However, you're doing it, it's all right. You know, it's a weird year. You got to take care of you. Find some way to make it fun. Find some way to make it uh, meaningful, and know that like we're just getting through it, man. And if you just got to do some shit to get through the day, you can do what you got to do to just get through the day. You know, ain't nothing wrong with 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 doing Thanksgiving any weird ass type of way in 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 this year just to just to just to survive so mm-hmm. yeah hey this week this year's gonna be we do some hard have some bring some excitement to thanksgiving dinner you know stuff when i'm talking I, it's all over the place that's okay while we have a good wi-fi connection um we're gonna head out um so that's that um until fucking monday y'all have a good one bye